0: Verse 17, Philippians chapter 2. Paul said this, he said, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do you joy and rejoice with me. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. But ye know the proof of Him that as a son with the Father, He hath served with me in the gospel. Him therefore I hope to send presently so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. Yet I suppose... It necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that he heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him. And not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I send him therefore the more carefully that when you see him again, you may rejoice and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me." And that's the conclusion of chapter two. I want to title the message this morning, and it may not make sense at the beginning. I think I said I was never going to say that again, but uh, give a caveat here. But it may not make sense. But just hold with me. I hold on with me here. I think it'll make sense before we're done this morning. But I want to preach on this thought. Have you lost your mind? Have you lost your mind? Let's pray. And ask God to help us, all right? Father, we love you. We're thankful for this day. We're thankful for the privilege we have here, Lord, just to come and, um, Lord, just to sing your praises, to worship with the people of God. Father, I pray that you would touch me and help me. Lord, this scripture, may it come alive though it may seem like there may not be a, a whole lot to preaching here necessarily. Some things that might just jump off the page. But Lord, I pray that you would help us mind these precious truths that are, that are uh, definitely here for us today. Help us to make application. If there's somebody here that's lost, I pray they'd be saved before it's too late. And Father, you know I need your help. Touch my mind and my mouth and even my heart today. And Lord, help me preach with pure motives. And God, Get all the glory for all that's done. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. How many of you would agree with me that the greatest example, this is not a controversial statement, so I think we'll all agree, but uh, the greatest example, Barna, not the greatest example, not, not a great example, but the greatest example of somebody that was humble, somebody that served others, somebody that gave the ultimate sacrifice the greatest example this world has ever known of all those things is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the great texts in all the Bible, but certainly the epistle to the Philippians, is in our chapter that we're in, and we've already dealt with it in detail. But I want to remind you of verse 6, 7, and 8, where it says that Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robber to be equal with God, but made Himself of no reputation took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. What example? You'll find no greater example in all of history, in all of the Bible, than you will the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody, Nobody has ever been so high and yet came so low. Nobody has ever served so many people. Nobody has ever given the ultimate sacrifice that the Lord Jesus Christ, gave. And I want you to think about how Jesus is that example. I read a Mark Twain quote the other day. How many of you know Mark Twain is? All right, Tom Sawyer, Huckleberry Finn, uh, all those things, man. Mark Twain is, uh, I love these one. He's very quotable. He's got some great quotes. And I read a quote the other day, and here's what he said. He said, Fewer things are harder to put up with than the annoyance of a good example. He said, fewer things are harder to put up with than the annoyance of a good example. You know what good examples do? Good examples remove all of our excuses that it cannot be done. We like to say, well, it can't be done, and this can't be done, and that can't be done. And somebody that steps up and does it Uh, they uh, can be annoying to us. Now, good examples are powerful, but good examples can be annoying (laughs) because it takes the excuse away of somebody that's trying to say that it cannot be done. And what I'm trying to say is this, that we're tempted to look at the example of Christ, his humility, his obedience, his service, his sacrifice. And it's easy to write that off and say, well, that's Jesus. He's the son of God. I mean, he's God in the flesh. Of course he was humble. And of Of course, he could be obedient to his Father. And of course, he could serve like nobody. And of course, he could sacrifice like nobody else. But that's where our text really fits into the bigger picture of this chapter here. In light of the Lord Jesus and the example that he is, Paul gives us three earthly examples. They're not God. It's not deity robed in flesh. It's just three earthly people, Paul himself being one of them, that is a great example of somebody and people that were humble, people that were obedient, people that served, people that sacrificed. Because we might be tempted to look at Jesus and say, well, nobody can be Jesus and, and just go on with our life. But can I tell you, there are three people that are written in this text that we just read that did not look at that and say well that just Jesus it cannot be done they literally had the mind of Christ because that is the admonition given in verse number 5 isn't it let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus allow that same mind that Jesus had to be in you you know what that means it's possible it's potential. It's not philosophical. It's not out in the ether somewhere. It's not far away. Listen, you can have the mind of Christ, but you got to lose your mind first. Amen. You got to lose your mind. That's the best thing. And I've already mentioned this several times in the last couple of weeks, and I thought I'd just use it as a title in my thought this morning. That's the best thing you'll ever do is you lose your mind. Your mind's the problem. Did you know that? You got a carnal mind that is in enmity with God. Your fleshly mind, how we think in the flesh and how we think in our own. You know, I'm telling you, your mind is selfish. Uh, your mind, and by the way, my mind is too, it's selfish. Yeah, it is carnal. It is fleshly. Uh, it it is. Uh, uh, it's greedy. Uh, it, it, it wants to get, get, give, and ne- get, 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 and never give, give, give. And that's how our mind is. That's why you need the mind of Christ. And so the question is: Are you thinking with your mind? Or are you thinking with Jesus' mind? And the, what we have in our text is we have some examples of some people that they had lost their mind. They literally did. They lost their mind. They're not thinking, they're not thinking like most people are thinking. Uh, they're not living like most people are living. They're not doing what most people are doing. Uh, they have literally lost their mind, and they are the embodiment. They are the earthly example of the mind of Christ. Somebody that is humble, somebody that is willing people that are obedient people that are serving the lord jesus christ with everything that they have not regarding themselves when i look at paul and i look at timothy and i look at epaphroditus those are the three men that are laid before us in this text that we've read this morning i cannot help but see some men that have lost their mind and they are living and they are operating in and with the mind of christ And so my question to you this morning is this: Have you lost your mind? Are you operating in your mind? Are you operating with the mind of Christ? It's amazing. These three men: you got Paul, you got Timothy, you got Epaphroditus. They're all different, but yet they all manifest the mind of Christ in their life. You have Paul; he was an apostle, right? He's that. He, I mean, he's the one over it all. He's the. He's he's bringing in uh, the the uh, and 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 bolstering the the dispensation. Sation of the local church. And he's bringing, He's the apostle. Man, you think, well, I'm not an apostle. By the way, you never will be an apostle. And by the way, and just mark this down too, anybody that says they're an apostle, listen, they're not an apostle either, okay? So, them goofballs you see on TV and billboard and stuff like that, they think they're an apostle, all right? Just like some people think they're good looking or they think they're smart or they think they're rich or whatever. You know, people can, you know, right? We live in a world, you can identify. If you want to identify as an apostle, I guess you can, but that doesn't make you. All right, but Paul literally was. He was an apostle. He had that apostolic power and apostolic authority. He was an apostle. And so you got you got Paul. He's an apostle. You got Timothy. What was Timothy? He was just a. We could call him a preacher. We could call at some point he pastored. He's just a. He's just just a preacher. Just a messenger. Just a, a, a just a, 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 a an elder. A pastor. Somebody like that. You got an apostle. You got a pastor. And then you got Epaphroditus What was Epaphroditus? He was just a church member. That's all he was. Paphrodites was just a layman. Paphroditus, as far as we know, he never preached a message. As far as we know, uh, he never led anything or did anything. But Paul just says that he's a he's a brother and he's a he's a fellow soldier and he's a he's a companion in labor and that uh, he is a, a minister. Uh, Epaphroditus was just a layman. You got an apostle, you got a preacher, you got a layman in the church. Listen, it doesn't matter what level you're at. It doesn't matter what position. It doesn't matter what role you feel. We all are accountable and we all are responsible to operate in our role and in our position with. The mind of Christ. Paul was a Jew. I mean, Hebrew of the Hebrew, right? Timothy was a half-breed. He's half-Jew, half-Gentile. Epaphroditus, as far as we know, he's just a Philippian resident, he was all Gentile. How about that? You got a Jew, you got a half Jew, half Gentile. Then you got a, a, a full-blooded Gentile. Right there. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Apostle, teacher, layman, Jew, half a Gentile. It doesn't matter what you are. You are responsible to have the mind of Christ. You say, well, I'm not the preacher. It doesn't matter. You need the mind of Christ. You say, I don't have a position in the church. It doesn't matter. You need the mind of Christ. I don't care what you are. I don't care if you're just a mama or if you're just a daddy or if you're just a plumber or if you're just a whatever, whatever. you are, you are not functioning like you ought to until you have lost your mind and replaced it with the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. And that's exactly what we have. We have some annoying examples in this text of men that were just living out their lives while being indwelt and filled with the Holy Spirit of God, that mind of Christ living inside of them. And I want to look at them just for a moment. What does it look like? What does someone look like who has lost their mind? When you lose your mind, here's what it'll look like. Number one, when you lose your mind and have the mind of Christ, you'll look and act like a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Look what Paul said. Look at verse number 17. Here's what Paul said. He said, yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do you joy and rejoice with me. Paul shows us what someone with the mind of Christ is thinking about their life. Paul was willing. He said to be offered. Now notice the wording here in verse number 17. He says, if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith. He said, if I be offered upon the sacrifice. You know what that makes us think of? That makes us think of the Levitical sacrifices. If you read, I think it's Leviticus 15, 17, right around in there, and you can read about a certain sacrifice, it was a drink offering. And that drink offering was poured on the sacrifice, upon the sacrifice. It was poured out. It would be wine. Brother Andrew taught about wine this morning in Sunday school. Great, great Sunday school lesson this morning and they would take that wine and they would pour it out as a drink offering to the Lord. Wine is a picture of joy in the Bible and that's what Paul brings up here. He said, it brings me joy just to be able to be poured out. Paul said, here I am. I'm just like this offering right here and you can pour me out on the sacrifice. Empty me all. Just pour me out for the work of God and for the will of God. He was willing. In fact, while he's Writing this, you know, he's sitting in a prison, right? His his judgment uh, it was impending. He, his life could literally any moment he could get word that he has been sentenced to death, and he could walk uh, down the down the street to be put in the prison house where they held them for. Execution. He could have his head be placed on the chopping block and the executioner's sword could come. He knew he was living with that reality every single day that it was any moment and he could leave out of this life. That's the same. But every time he thought about death, it wasn't about losing something. It wasn't about something being taken from him. He said, my life is something that I willingly offer to God. That's what he wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy. right when he said the time of my departure is at hand I am ready to be Offered is what he said. Just like a sacrifice, I will lay on the altar. And of course, that's what Paul uh, uh, commends us to do as well in Romans 12.1. He said, Therefore, brethren, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a what? A living sacrifice. Paul was not doing anything that he, he was not preaching anything that he was not practicing himself. He was not asking everybody else to give their life for Jesus while he sat up in some million dollar condo somewhere and got offerings from TV slots or anything like that. That ain't what he was doing. Paul was literally sitting in prison or in incarceration in a house there in Rome waiting his judgment and he was ready. He was willing. In fact even though he was still living and breathing and alive in his mind it did not matter because he had already taken out his life and he would already given it to the Lord Jesus Christ. God help us to live as a living sacrifice already given to God. I'm talking about surrender. I'm talking about being surrendered to God. When you lose your mind and you gain the mind of Christ, you are willing to be a sacrifice. Is that not the Lord Jesus Christ? That was his mindset. He was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That was the mindset that he had. My life is not so important that it is above the work of God. There are things more important than my life. Can I tell you, there are things more important than our lives. Amen work of God, the will of God, surrender to God. Listen, if God wants you to be poured out like a sacrifice, if God wants to put you through tribulation and trouble, if God wants to press you and, 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 and move on you and mold you and make you into something, listen, that is much more valuable. That's much more valuable than living in ease and comfort. That's what Peter said. He said the trial of our faith is much more precious than gold that perishes. Amen. Everybody okay? Yeah. Live and sacrifice. This concept of giving our lives to an eternal work, it really escapes us these days. Nobody, we we live in a day of non-committal. Nobody wants to commit to anything. People don't even want to commit to marriage. They don't want to commit to children. They definitely ain't committing to church anymore. It's just in and out and up and down and, and, and around and around. And that's just all it is these days. I don't want to commit to nothing. Paul said, Paul said, I tell you what, to be a blessing to you and a blessing to this church, he said, you could pour me out like a sacrifice. And of course, you remember what's going on in this church. Well, there's a little disunity, right? Remember that? Paul offers himself as an example. You say, well, that's pretty prideful. No, that's called leadership is what that is. Paul said, I'm not calling you to do anything that I'm not already doing myself. Paul is saying, follow me as I follow Christ. He said, here I am. Have this attitude. And is it Paul's attitude? Is it Paul's mind? No. Was it Paul's idea? No. It comes straight from the mind of Christ. This is the mind of Christ. To be a living sacrifice. Totally, 100% committed to the work of Christ. Of God and committed really ultimately to the Lord Jesus Christ. My life is in your hands. Take it, pour it out. Whatever you want to do, empty it out. Empty me of me and fill me with you. Paul was ready. Paul, you know why, you know why the chopping block didn't scare Paul? Because he had already given his life away. His life was already, it's it's already in God's hands. He said, For to me, verse one, verse 21, chapter one, for to me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. Either way, it's not about Paul and it's not about him. He said, either it's I'm living for Christ or I'm going to be living with Christ. He said, either way, it doesn't matter to me. What does it look like when you lost? And see, people don't understand it. Some of y'all look at me right now like, man, this guy's lost his mind. You tell somebody, he said, look, I want you to give up Everything. Give it all up. Deny yourself. Take up a cross. Follow Jesus. And I'll tell you what this world will say. This world would say, you've lost your mind. You know what you look at them back and say, yeah, I sure have. I have. I really have. And you need to lose yours too. And carnal church members backslid, laid to see lukewarm. They'll look at you and say, you've lost your mind. You know what? You just look at them and say, that's the best thing that ever happened to me. Amen. Amen. You better believe it. A living sacrifice. Number two, Paul shows us that when you lose your mind, it looks like a living sacrifice. Timothy shows us, let's look at him for a minute, that when you lose your mind, it looks like a loving son. A loving son. Do you see that? Paul talks about Timothy. And he holds Timothy up as an example. And he says in verse number 22, But you know the proof of him that as a son with the Father, he had served me in the gospel. What does it look like when you lose your mind? Not only are you a living sacrifice, but you begin to operate as well as a loving son. Verse 19. Let's just go through this text just for a little bit that talks about Timothy. Verse 19 Here's what Paul said. He said, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort. When I know of your state. Paul, okay, just remember, let's set the scene real quick. How many of y'all still even say amen? All right, just making sure. Making sure. Okay. All right, make sure. Paul's sitting in prison in Rome. When I say prison, he's in a house. He's probably attached to a Roman, a Roman guard. Okay, he's in a hired house, probably. But. He is incarcerated. He is uh, he is arrested. So. so he doesn't have any freedom. So he can't go anywhere. But he has people that can come and go at his and minister to him. In fact, when you are a prisoner of Rome in your own hired house, it just means that you have to pay the rent. You got to pay for your food. It's not like prisons are these days where they lock you up and they give you three meals and you know a TV and you know college classes and courses and pottery lessons and. Equestrian events and all kinds of things, whatever they, they do for prison. It wasn't, it wasn't like that. You pay for your own meals. You got to pay this guard. You got to pay for it all, or you're going to be thrown under the prison somewhere. So, uh, that we're, we're uh, uh, living is not, not very uh, pleasant. No access for correspondence and discipleship and things like that, that, things that were very important to the Apostle Paul. So, he's in this house. He can't just up and go to Philippi. There's issues. There's things that are going on there. He can't, he can't just up and take care of it. So what does he want to do? He wants to send Timothy. He wants to send Timothy. Uh, he wants to know when he writes this letter and, and sends it to Philippi, did it make an impact? Did, 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 did these two ladies, that's talked about in verse number 2 of chapter 4, do they get these things right? Are they, are, 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 are they in unity now? Are they, are they fixing the problems that are, that are in Philippi? And the issues that are here. Paul said, I can't go. He said, but I want to send Timothy. Why, why would it be good for Paul to send Timothy? That was the second best thing is the Paul going. Why? Because Timothy has lost his mind too. <laughs> In fact, that's what he says. Look at it. verse number 20. He said, I have no man like-minded. He said, yeah, I've lost my mind and Timothy's lost his too. You say, we're of the the same mind. Timothy, he thinks just like me. I think like him. We're we're, we're the same. We have the same same mind. Look what he does. He naturally cares for your state. I have no man like-minded, verse 20, who will naturally care for your state. That word naturally just means genuinely, authentically. You know what that means? Timothy really cares about these Philippians because his daddy in the faith, Paul does, Timothy does. He has the same... Mind, And I'm going to tell you something. When you lose your mind, there will be a family affection for the people of God. You will love them and you will want to be a blessing to them. And look at verse 21. That's what he says. Here's what it Here's what it means to lose your mind. Here's what it looks like when you have lost your mind and have the mind of Christ. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. That's what it looks like rather when you have your mind if you want to know what it means, if you have your mind or the mind of Christ, if you're seeking your own and not the things which are Jesus Christ, you have your mind. Amen. Listen to me. You're living with your mind, aren't you? You're living with your carnal mind. All in, and by the way, that right there, that verse, man, that's a, that's a pretty sad indictment, isn't it? All seek their own. And that, listen, not much has changed in about 2,000 years, has it? In the church age. That's, pretty much, that's the way most people live. That's the wait, Paul said all. <laughs> he said, that's the rule. He said, Timothy's an exception. Paphroditus is an exception. But the rule is all seek their own. You well, see, it's all in context of what Paul is trying to get across. He's trying to show them a good example. Because you remember what he said back in verse number uh, 4 of chapter 2? Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And then he goes right into that, let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. He said, man, that selfishness, greediness, self-centeredness is eating us up. All seek their own. Does that verse describe you? Does, that, does verse 21, does that describe you? Or Would your life, think about I want you to think about your life just for a minute. Is it, is it characterized and categorized by seeking your own things or more by seeking the things that are Christ? Paul wrote to the church at Colossae. He said pretty much the same thing, right? He said, "He said, set not your affection on things below, but on things above. Not things that here things up there. Not temporary things. Eternal things. Not things that'll pass away but things that'll live forever. Not things that are worldly but things that are heavenly. Does verse 21 does that describe you? It didn't describe Timothy. He had this family affection. He was a loving son. He loved the people of God. In fact, he loved the people of God just as much as Paul loved them. He had the same heart. He had the same mind. Isn't that amazing how when you have the same mind, you kind of do the same things and you love the same things? That's what the Bible, that's what John said. John said this, if, if you love God, you're going to love everybody that he loves. Right? If you love the begotter, you're going to love all the begotties. If you say you love God, but you hate your brother, you're a what? You're a what? Starts with an L. You're a. I just wanted you to say it. I didn't want to say it. I ain't calling you a liar. That's what John said. Liar, liar, pants on fire, nose as long as a telephone wire. Hey, man. If you say you love God, but you don't love the people of God, you're a liar. You're a stinking liar. And I added that in there. Amen. I'm going to tell you what it looks like when you have lost your mind. (laughs) You look like a loving son. I'll tell you, selfishness is strangling us, isn't it? Strangling the church. We're just like the the world. All seek their own not the things of Jesus Christ. That describes the world. Not to describe us. We ought to be different, shouldn't we? Amen. Usually when the preacher talks about being different in the world, he's talking about hem lines and hairlines and all that. And I ain't against preaching all that. But that's really what that's really what ought to set us apart right there. Somebody say amen right there. Amen. Amen. Now if I was preaching on abortion or sodomy, y'all all shout me down now. Come on now. What about what about when we like to preach on sins in the church? Amen. Like selfishness, self-centeredness, pride, all them things that cause discord. It causes discord in this church, and it'll cause discord in this church. Amen. To not seek your own pleasure and satisfaction, but the good of the Lord Jesus and what brings Him pleasure in the people of God. You know what that is? That's a result of losing your mind. Paul said, he's a son to me. There's a relationship. That's why this is all here. Paul was a father in the faith to these Philippians. Paul was a father in the faith to Timothy. And so Paul was a father in the faith to all of them. So that means they're all brothers and sisters in the faith. There was a family dynamic that was going on here. And when you lose your mind, you'll look like a loving son. A natural affection that is willing to sacrifice For the good of others. And of course, that's the mind of Christ. Christ was that loving son who did the will of his father and loved the glory of God and loved his people. So you have Paul. He's the living sacrifice. You have Timothy. He's the loving son. And then you got Epaphroditus. Number three, and I'm done. What does it look like when you've lost your mind? It looks like not only a living sacrifice and a loving son, but it looks like a laboring servant. A laboring servant. Look at verse 25. So yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. Epaphroditus was a member of the church at Philippi. He was willing. Now listen to this. He was willing. He either volunteered or was voluntold, one of the two. I don't know, but I think from the wording of all this, he, was, he volunteered. He was willing, he was desiring to, to go, to make the trip all the way from Philippi to Rome, okay, and bringing Paul things that, uh, that he needed. And Paul said in verse 25, he said, He ministered to my wants. Look over at chapter 4 just for a second. Look at verse 18. Paul mentions him again. He said, But I have all, and I am full and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. So Philippi, they took up an offering, maybe gathered some things together for Paul, probably more in the way of money, been easier to carry and things he could buy in Rome. They took up an offering. They gave it to Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus takes the offering, and he sets out all the way to Rome to take this offering offering to Paul and maybe the plan was for Epaphroditus to stay there in Rome and minister to Paul and things like that but something happened on the way from Philippi to Rome Epaphroditus got sick in fact he almost died that's what the scripture tells us here in our text he was nigh death verse number 20 said he was indeed indeed he was sick nigh death but he was sorrowful verse 26 said that he was sorrowful and full of heaviness not because he was sick This is amazing. I love verse 26. He longed after you all and was full of heaviness because he was sick. No, that's not what it says. See, that's how, now I don't know about you, but I might be like that just a little bit. I get sick on this journey and I'm thinking, now it's bad to be sick. Somebody say amen. It's bad to be sick and not at home. Somebody say amen, amen, right there. Yeah, I got COVID when I was out of town. And uh, sitting in a cabin somewhere, it's the prettiest little cabin on a lake you'd ever see. I mean, the prettiest little thing, and I'm laying in bed shivering over there, in Tennessee somewhere. That was not fun. I didn't know I had COVID right then, but couldn't find out. That's what it was. <laughs> oh, it stinks to be it stinks to be seven eight hours from home. Because when I'm sick, I tell you what I like. I like that woman right there, you know, just patting me on the head and things like that. Anybody else? Can I? Am I getting a witness right there? That's what wives are for. Right? Mama did it, and then she passed the baton on to her. Amen. That's the way it works. And my laundry, too. Amen. The blessing. You don't want to be sick away from home. And so if I was a just knowing me, I'd probably think somewhere in my, in my heart, in my mind, I'm going to be thinking, man, I volunteered. I took off work. <laughs> I volunteered. To, to take this mission trip and take this money to the preacher and look what God done let happen to me. He let me get sick. Didn't say that he was sorrowful because he was sick. said he was sorrowful because the church had heard that he was sick and he knew it was worrying them to death. That's how much he loved them, that church. He loved them. He wasn't sorry for himself. He was thinking... About other man, the true servant's heart. He was thinking about the task, thinking about everything that he had done. Paul calls him a brother, a companion in labor, a fellow soldier, a messenger, a minister. That word minister just means it just means somebody that's the gopher. somebody that does the menial task of the servant. He was just a servant. God heals him, thank God. Hey, and that and there's a little thing in there too. Paul didn't heal him. These faith healers think they just wield that power whenever they want and all that kind of stuff. All these things, it looked like to me that, oh, Paul, that that apostolic power, as the scriptures are being written, that power, that healing ministry, it's it's waning away. There's There's a good little dispensational truth in there. Paul could have healed Timothy, but he told him to take some Nyquil for his stomach's sake. Amen. There's not healing going on, there's prayer to God. They're just praying. But here's what's amazing to me. I love this. Look what it says. Paul's sending them back. He said, when, you, when he gets back, hold him in reputation. Verse 29. Verse 30, look here, and I'm done. Because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death. Listen, not regarding his life. He was a servant who was focused on the task at hand. Epaphroditus, why would you go on a trip? Why would you do these things? You about died. Why are you happy in the service of the Lord? I think he would just tell us, because I done lost my mind. And he's got the mind of Christ. Three great examples, right? Of people that had the mind of Christ. They lost their mind and he said, I don't regard my life. Now that right there, that's something we, we we live in a day today, let me just tell you something. We we live in a day where safety is an idol. We've made an idol out of safety. We've made an idol out of safety. Everybody's bowing down at at the altar of staying safe. Listen, and I'm not against trying to stay well and all that, obviously. I don't think we ought to be stupid, go try to get sick. But at the same time, I'm going to tell you something. There's bigger things than COVID in this world. We've been put here for a purpose. Amen? Amen. We, we, we don't have time to bow at the idol of safety. There's this little, it's Matt Ingram in the piano, I'm done. But there's this little, um, there, I don't know if it's a church. I think Well, there's a church and then there's like this other building next to it. We pass all the time. Every time we every time we go to the beach, I'm not sure it's one of them little towns, maybe North Carolina, South Carolina, I don't even know where, I don't even remember where it's at. But there's a, there's a church, and then next to it is another, it looks like a church, but I think it's like a denominational, uh, headquarters, some kind of headquarters, some kind of meeting where that denomination meets, and I guess it's right next to that church. I don't even remember what denomination it is, honestly. I don't remember what it is, but I just remember for the last two years, three years, whatever it's been, because all this COVID stuff has been going on, they have... Uh, they have a, uh, their sign out there. It had the year on it, so I guess it started 2020, and it just says, stay safe. That's what it says. And then next year, you go back by in 2021, stay safe. We went back on the way home from, and it was after the first year, in 2022, stay safe. That's it. Not Jesus loves you. <laughs> Not Jesus died for you. That's their message. Everybody just stay safe. Well, can I tell you something? You can't stay safe and do the work of God at the same time. You can't. There's a risk. Paul talks about those that hazarded their lives for the gospel. Why do we put safety in in, in our life so far up here and the work of Christ so far down here? Amen. It's amazing. All this stuff... Say, how does this COVID stuff? Where are you getting this out of text? Well, Epaphroditus was sick. All right, so just let me me throw this in here. A lot of this COVID stuff—it's really revealed. It's been very revealing to just kind of sit back and see what people prioritize, and see where their hearts at, see where their minds at. It really has been. It's been sad in some ways, but it's been—it's been revealing as well. It really has. The things that people will risk. It's almost like, you know, they don't mind risk going on vacation, they don't mind risk going to a ball game, they don't mind risk going on going to the nail salon or whatever. But you can't you're gonna get COVID. you go to church, you're gonna get COVID now. Don't I have here. It's like, man, we ought to have we ought to move church and just have it down at the beauty shop, I guess. We'll just go down there. You can't get, you can't get it down there. Everybody all right? So you're meddling just a little bit. Just a, I am, just a little bit. I'm honest, I am. I'm meddling just a little bit. It's amazing. Epaphroditus could say, I, I can't take that trip. I, I, got, I could get sick. Man, what could, think about all the things that could happen to me from here to there. But no, Epaphroditus said, you know what? I don't care what the risk is. He did not regard his life. We think too much of our life, and we think too less of Christ and His work. Amen. Now listen, be ready. Be ready. You start risking stuff for Jesus. People will say, you've lost your mind. Just smile and say, yes, I have. And I've replaced it with the mind of Christ. Now, there's a nuance in all these examples. you got Paul. He looks and Timothy, and Epaphroditus, they all, there's a a little bit different, but really there's a common, there's a common thread to all of them, and that all is this, is sacrifice. Paul's willing to be poured out. Timothy, he said, I'm not seeking my own things, but the things that are Jesus. That's what Paul said about Timothy. Epaphroditus, he would not regard his own life for the work of Christ. It's a, it's a, a suppressing of me and a, Increasing of Him, like John the Baptist said, "I must decrease; He must increase." That's what that life is. There's a common thread: it's sacrifice. People that are, have a mind and are willing to give up things to serve God. That's what the mind of Christ is all about. Because Christ is the ultimate picture of sacrifice, and he? he gave it all up to serve us. He gave it all up to serve us. And I think I think we can give it all up to serve Him. That's something American Christianity, which is really mm, I don't even know. See, when you think of Christianity, we think of in terms of America. You understand? There's people there's in third world countries, foreign countries. If they saw our version of Christianity, they'd laugh. That's not Christianity. That's churchianity. That's what we got. There's some people in this world that actually know what it's like to pick up a cross, deny themselves, and follow Jesus. While we're pampered and spoiled, everybody okay? And if the preacher doesn't preach exactly what they like, or if the singer doesn't, if they don't sing, or if they don't, they're, they're offended and they get all mad and they're. all... And there's some Chinese Christians that are meeting underground right now that would laugh at us. They would laugh at us. And I tell you, the best thing we could do is lose our mind. Quit thinking with our mind. And think and operate with the mind of Christ. Let's stand together all over the building.